Welcome back to the Moving Ride Along podcast, the podcast by young writers for young writers. We're your hosts, Ruby, Kat, and Ray. So today, in honor of National Poetry Month in the colonies, I, okay, right, I didn't want to say the colonies. My producer, Simone, decided to write down the colonies, which I feel like it's just prejudice against me because I'm British. Like, I'm not an imperialist and I don't think of America as a colony. So it's just like to put that little disclaimer out there. But oh I was gosh. forced to say this and it's entirely not my fault. Um, okay, anyway, this <laughs> ran over. Anyway, today in honour of National Poetry Month in America, not over here, we have a very special guest joining us. Please welcome poet Diesel Carson. Diesel, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. First off, I just want to say, I think we should get back into calling them the colonies. <laughs> so funny. I think maybe that will be, maybe that's the shift we need. Like, I need people to remind yeah. us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Um, but hi, everybody. Um, I am Diesel Carson. Um, things to know about me. I am a poet. Surprise, surprise. Um, I'm from San Diego, California. Uh, went to school in the Bay Area. Uh, well, I can. Uh, that's a little pretentious. I went to Stanford. Yada, yada, yada. Um, it was a good time. Uh, families from the Bay Area from East Oakland. I'm currently in uh, New York pursuing an MFA at NYU. Um, which I'm very happy about. Uh, I am 23, so I'm also a relatively young writer. Um, uh, Got into this doing spoken word um, and always really happy to talk to other people about poetry. I think that's my favorite thing about poetry is seeing what it does for other people. The New York, I had a little fit. I was like, yeah, I'm from New York. Um, Are you? <laughs> can you I, I, I promise you, I, I'm i not giving New York at all. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I It's, it's we're okay. It's interesting. Uh, but anyways, thank you for being here. Uh, our team has been doing Escapable together. We have a little channel in our Discord where we share it. And I've been having so much fun reading them, but a lot of us are struggling because poetry is very hard probably a lot harder than long form prose in a lot of ways. So we're really excited to talk about how, you know, both the creative and technical aspects go together. So we have a bunch of questions for you and we're going to start off on those. So for the first question, um, poetry is a really big challenge because you usually have like a limited number of words to express like a big thought. So why did you pick poetry? That's a great question. Um, which I'll always say as I'm in the process of thinking through my answer. Uh, <laughs> why did I pick poetry? I think I kind of fell into it. Um, and I can explain a little bit more what I mean by that. But uh, I, I got into poetry through spoken word. Um, so I wasn't always necessarily a page poet. And I hate to make the distinction because I think it's a weird distinction that doesn't always mean to be made. Uh, but I do want to talk about different avenues that people come into poetry. So my avenue was spoken word and watching people do slam poetry. Um, I was like, I'm pretty a pretty natural performer. I love to get in front of people and to, you know, talk. <laughs> um, and so it, spoken word was kind of a great way for me to uh, kind of combine uh, the talking part in front of people and kind of the art of of language of poetry um I actually started off pretty strongly I really wanted to be a fiction writer um but my ideas were too long uh and I've kept trying to start stories over and over and over and I just kept falling back into poetry like poetry is where I say what I feel needs to get out 
fiction was a good place for me to kind of ideate. I love sci-fi um, and fantasy. So it was a good place for me to imagine. Um, but poetry became this ground where I'm like, I can talk to people about things that really matter to me um, and kind of like sizes that they can understand um, and that they can bear, that I can bear to share with them. Um, so picking poetry, it's kind of like, it's kind of a sorting hat kind of deal, you know, like poetry kind of picked me and I agreed with it. Um, and I'm very glad that I did, that I stuck with it. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a daily part of my life. Just thinking about the ways that people can make and break and, and, and mutate language. is really great to me. It's really nice. That's it. That's a really nice way to put it. I think <laughs> so that poetry picked you. That's like, yeah. That's almost poetic. Um, well, when, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> thank, thank you, Ruby, for being my uh, hype person. Of course. Um, so what we also want to ask is where do you get your inspiration from? Because sometimes you're looking at that blank piece of paper and you want to write a poem, but you just have no ideas. There's nothing coming out. So for you, where do you find your inspiration? Yeah, this is something I love to talk to my students in my... Um, the undergraduate course that I'm teaching. Um, so I, I teach undergrads at NYU as part of like my grad studies. And it's really funny because we're all about the same age. So it's like, what's the difference between you and me? Um, I have graded for this uh, teaching you. So, um, but it's always really fun talking to them about poetry. A lot of them aren't poets by trade, quote unquote. Um, and so I always say uh, inspiration can come from anywhere. There's not like some like high academic place you have to get poetry from. Um, I can talk about like, where my inspiration comes. It comes from like my family, you know, my communities. I, I talk a lot about um, uh, African-American vernacular English and kind of like different sayings that we have. Um, I grew up in a Baptist, in the Baptist church. Uh, so I get a lot of images from growing up in that environment um, and thinking about how does religion uh, connect to my ethnicity and my race, right? How do those things intersect with each other? Um, I, I love music. I take a lot of inspiration from music. Uh, I just wrote a poem the other day after Marvin Gaye's uh, What's Going On. Um, I, think, I think looking at the work of other people is a great source of inspiration. It, it shows you what's possible um, in poetry. You can look at this and you say, oh, someone was brave enough to try this thing. Uh, so let me go try it now. That's one of the reasons I really loved um, slam poetry. Um, I think slam poetry is maybe the most accessible form of poetry, um, which is not to say it's the most simple form of poetry because it is not, um, but I think it's a great way for people to see what can be done uh, with the form of, of poetry and words and how they can you know, shape those things to their uh, advantage. So I say, look everywhere. Inspiration can come from anywhere and there's nothing too like unpoetic, right? Um, I had a friend who just wrote a poem the other day uh, based on like Legend of Zelda um, and it was talking about the moon um, but it was like a really great, the, the name of the poet is Summer Farah. Um, last name is F-A-R-A-H. Um, and it was a beautiful poem, uh, but it was based on, you know, it was based on Legend of Zelda. And it was like, just, it was great. Um, I had a, another friend who did an erasure poem of the transcripts from this video game called The Outer Wilds. Um, I just finished playing this game. I'm obviously, as you can see, I love video games. Uh, I just finished playing this game called Deathloop, um, where the whole kind of shtick of the game is like, you're stuck in this time loop. Um, and you're like reliving on this day, but every day you like retain some information. So I currently am trying to like work towards its Vestina because it has this repeating structure um, that's trying to mimic this death loop game. Um, so inspiration really come from anywhere. Um, it's, I think poetry is really about images. 
you know, what are you putting in front of people and how are you, how are you curating their experience of a poem? Um, it's much more important to me than, you know, the subject matter itself. You can write about anything. Um, and I would love to see writing about anything and everything. Yeah, I love that answer. I love that you were able to answer that question because people will ask me, they'll be like, where do you get inspiration for your books? And I never know. I'm like, I don't know. Like I had a dream that one time. It's just always like random mm -hmm. things like that. Um, but speaking of that, we as a podcast were um, a lot more familiar with like the novel writing process and like the more traditional form of prose and just kind of what goes into that. Um, so we wanted to ask, what does your writing process for poetry like look like? Yeah, I respect novel writers, fiction writers a lot um, because the fiction writers that I know, I mean, they're on schedules, okay? They get up, they drink their coffee, you know, what, or whatever they drink in the morning and they're writing like 5,000 words at least, you know? And I get up, I hyperventilate, I look out a window, um, contemplate what I'm eating for breakfast, if I'm eating anything for breakfast at all might change a comment, a poem, and I'm like, that's the word for today. <laughs> so the poetry writing process, it's a lot of, it's a lot of internal like thought. Um, I like to think that poets are very obsessive. <laughs> like we're like, does a comma go here? Does a comma, does it need a comma, right? Um, so I think the, the writing process varies widely for everyone. Uh, I think for me, a lot of it is, is ideation, right? I think about what is it that I'm writing about and was it, was it, what is it that I'm trying to say? Um, so I, I can go back to this poem I was just mentioning. I have, I have a poem called What's Going On um, that I'm you know, hoping will be in my eventual manuscript um, that I'm working on for this MFA. Um, and the thought of it came from uh, thinking about Twitter, actually. There's this really great Cardi B meme uh, where she says, you know what, I'm glad you brought that up because I've been dying to talk about it. That's the quote. It's the epigraph of the poem, um, you know, so which I love. Uh, so she, there's this whole idea of like talking about something, right? And there's that whole idea of like when something horrible happens on Twitter, uh, we're all like, why is nobody talking about it when everyone's talking about it, right? So that was going on in my mind. There's What's Going On by Marvin Gaye, which is uh, its own kind of cosm of like, hey, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on, but like we need to like slow down and kind of take stock of things, right? So all those were swirling in my brain. Um, and so the whole poem structure is this repeating phrase, let's talk about it. Let's talk about X, Y, Z, let's talk about X, Y, Z, let's talk about X, Y, Z, right? And this whole idea is I'm trying to invite people to a conversation, right? And I'm trying to invite people to a lot of different conversations that will be happening within the manuscript, right? But I'm, I'm like, we're gonna touch here, we're gonna touch here, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Um, so a lot of the process is just getting the ideation of like, what do I want? Second part of the process is actually getting it down, which I think is maybe the hardest part of the process um, is actually like psyching yourself up to, to like put things on paper and not be afraid of it not being good. You know what I mean? Uh, I think we sometimes as writers, not writers, people who are living in general, we have uh, this, this desire to get things absolutely perfect on the first try. Uh, very often in poetry, that is not the case. It's not gonna be perfect. By your standards or the world's standards, whoever standards you're looking at, it's not gonna be perfect and that is okay. Um, because it might be the hardest part of the process, but it's not the largest part of the process. Um, the largest part of the process, which comes after you get the things down, you have your thoughts on paper, then it comes revision. Uh, revision is maybe the most important part of the poetry process. You, after you've got the things on the paper, you can step back um, for a day or two or a month or a year, because sometimes the revision process is a long, uh, long process and you can come back to it and you say, okay, is it doing the thing that I set out for it to do? 
Am I saying the things? Am I touching on the things that I'm looking for? Are my images as sharp or as specific as they can be? Right. You get to you get to come back to the poem and you get to read it with fresh eyes and go, okay, I see what it's what it's trying to be, um, and I want to help it get there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the writing pro the writing process for poetry is. It's, it's so variable. There's so many different ways that people approach it and there's no wrong way to do it. I think the most important, important part of it is, is trying it all. Um, language is already so oppressive. <laughs> there's, so, there's so little we can capture with language. Um, so, so little that we can do with words. So I don't want, I try not to hold that over people. You know, there's, there's so, there's only so much we can do. And I don't want people to get psyched out or psych themselves out because it's not doing what they want it to do on the first try. Um, that rarely happens and it is okay. Yeah, um, especially with Escape Roll, I've sort of jumped back into poetry, which has been nice, but chaotic. Um, and my writing process is so chaotic. So it's it's insane because you said like all those thoughts were swirling in your brain and it made me think of how I sort of think of it. I like to sort of equate it to like pulling threads together because you always yeah. have like these little short sentences or ideas and you have to sort of hammer them into one thing. And it's yeah. it's really hard because you have to a lot of the times I start out with like a sentence and then I have to figure out, OK, now what's going to get me to this sentence? Right. <laughs> yeah. You're working towards. And that's a great way to think about poems, like thinking about where you start. People start in very different places. Right. So I realize a part of my process, I start with titles. Um, titles are prompts to me. Uh, and very often, like my poems come out of the titles themselves. Right. So I didn't think of what's going on after I wrote the poem. The title came before the name. Um, and I, I use these these as prompts of where I want, you know, how I'm trying to get through a poem. I use it as kind of the frame of if I'm thinking of my poem as the painting, the 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 titles, the frame or the lens that I'm looking at it through. It's, it's, it's shaping my experience of what I'm trying to say. Um, I think that what you're saying too, Ray, is another great, great way of working towards a poem. It's like you have this line and you're wondering, how do you get there? Right. How do what what? series of images or steps gets me to this poem or uh, vice versa, uh, where do I go from this line? If I, I'm like, I know I want this to be the start of my line or the start of my poem. What happens after this? Um, so, so many different ways to approach <laughs> yeah. it, yeah. Um, so obviously writing a poem can be very difficult, but what do you think is your easiest and your hardest part of writing any of your poems? Ooh. Easiest and hardest part. Um, I think sometimes revision can be hard for me. I think I'll look at a poem and I'll be like, no, it's good. It's it's cute the way it is. Like, I don't think she needs anything changed about her. Um, and the poems like fix me, please. <laughs> um, and so I think coming back to a poem and really like giving it proper thought and thinking about, you know, what's not working here, what's maybe extraneous, uh, what's missing from a poem, like that is the kind of thing that like consumes most of my time writing a poem. Um, I think getting started is its own battle. Um, that's mostly because I get easily distracted, not because I can't sit down and write the poem. It's just like, I'll get home from work and I'll be like video games. Um, and so maybe if I had a better like set schedule for myself for writing, I could remedy that. So I don't think it's my hardest part. 
Um, I think that my easiest part is actually thinking of ideas. Uh, I have a Google Drive folder full of poem titles and kind of the ideas associated with these titles. And I'm like, I'm going to come back and write you eventually. Um, so like thinking about like what to write about, not the problem I'm having. I probably have too many things going on, uh, but actually sitting down and like revising them uh, can be really hard. And so I'm actually really grateful. I took this class last semester <clears throat> with the poet Nicole Seeley, absolutely wonderful uh poet and professor and her whole poem uh, her whole class was on uh revision it was called patience as revision and what we did is we had one poem that we brought in at the beginning of the class and that's the only poem we worked with for the entire semester we revised the poem 10 different ways um broke it apart put it back together cut things out added things on uh took a line out and made a new poem out of that line Right. And it was just a, it was a really uh, great way to see like all the different ways revision can happen. Um, so I was just really grateful for that class and for her, her teaching. But I think, yeah, revision is hard. Thinking of it is easy and getting started. You know, that's a matter of personal dedication, motivation. Yeah. Yeah, I love what you said about um, like the getting started and the fact that like you kind of wish you had a schedule because I think sometimes we have this idea of like poets just spend all their times like by the lakes in the mountains <laughs> waiting for inspiration to strike them but in fact like it does take a bit of like discipline to actually sit down and write you can't just be you know wandering around the moors for like yeah. <laughs> 10 hours and then, and then a fully fledged poem emerges. Um, emerges like the Ten Commandments like tablets. <laughs> <laughs> it just comes to you. Um, what are your tips for someone who is just getting started at writing poetry? I would say start with observations. Start with what you notice. Look around, take note, and, and be detailed in your descriptions. I think the best images are the ones that feel very specific um, because there's something about specificity that makes something feel universal. Um, there's this wonderful book of craft called The Poet's Companion. And there is a chapter in that book called Writing and Knowing. And I can't quote it word for word because it's not in front of me, but there's this part of it um, that says, uh, you have to describe something so intimately um, that everyone can feel it, right? So if you're writing about your brother, you have to describe your brother so intimately that he becomes everyone's brother. If you're talking about the winter, you have to talk about the cold so specifically that we all feel chill. Uh, if you talk about losing your keys, you have to talk about that experience of losing your keys so deeply that we connect it to all of our feelings of loss. Um, and just that kind of idea that the more specific you are, the more it opens up people to reflect on their own, their own lives and their own experiences. So I say start with observations. That's the easiest thing you can do because um, we're, we're noticing things all the time. Uh, we can't help it. I'm just naturally nosy. So it's very easy for me to make observations, um, probably bad ones, <laughs> but making them all the time. Um, second is, I, I would say, identify, as you read work, identify what you like and what you don't like. Sometimes you will know, like, oh, this is not going to fit my style of poetry. Like I, for example, um, I am really bad with like old English. It's never been my thing. I just get, it's really hard for me to sometimes understand 
homes that feel really academic, I'm like, I'm not sure what's going on here. Um, and I don't seek to do that. You know, I think about a lot about the aims of poetry. What do we seek out to do when we write a poem? Um, for me, my whole idea of poetry is I aim to be in community with people. Um, something you get asked a lot as a poet, I know this is deviating a little bit from what you asked, so sorry, bear with me. Um, sometimes people ask, you know, who's your audience in a poem? And I try not to think of having an audience, right? I don't, I try not to think about, I'm in a room where people are coming to watch me say something to them um, because I'm so wise or something. I write poetry to be in a community with people. Um, I write poetry to have a conversation with people. I write poetry uh, because I want people to talk back to me. Um, I want to hear what they have to say, and I want to hear what I have to say resonates with them or doesn't resonate with them or what it makes them think of, right? So I write poetry for community and not necessarily an audience, although I know there will be audiences reading my work. Um, so that's a slight deviation. Um, so make observations, take note of what you do and don't like. Um, follow, if you have like any poets that you really specifically admire, um, make notes about what they're doing in their work. Um, see how their work has changed over time. I think it can be really helpful to see a poet's evolution. Um, I, for example, really love Denez Smith. Uh, I think Denez Smith has some wonderful work and it's been really interesting seeing how their work has changed um, from, their, uh, from their chapbook, uh, Black Movie. They had, another, they had another chapbook called Insert Boy, but I didn't get a chance to read that one. They have a Black Movie and then that became uh, Don't Call Us Dead and that became the next book, Homie. And seeing how their work has changed and evolved has been really interesting and really uh, helpful for you know thinking about how does my own work evolve? How can my own work change? Um, so those are my biggest tips. Really it's about like knowing what you like, you know, and leaning into that. Lean into things that you like, lean into the things that make you weird right if you're like i know poets who are like really obsessive about like certain forms like sonnets i'm like lean into that there can be something there um playing with form and things like that um yeah I, and don't be scared of it don't let the don't let the page control you right the page it will not bite i promise um you are you are the master in that situation you can put things down and remember that it's not always like about being the best. Like all your poems don't have to be good. Shocker. Um, you can write bad poems. Those bad poems, quote unquote, because that's very subjective. Those bad poems uh, are what get you towards the thinking needed for those poems that you consider like the works that you're proud of, right? Just getting thoughts on paper does a lot for the way that we think because um, it makes it real. It makes it so you can see it. It's not just living um, in, the, in the chasm of our minds, yeah. Yeah, those are phenomenal tips. I'm going to have to re-listen to this and make a whole <laughs> lot of notes. I'm going to have just like a whole section of diesel notes at this point. Um, but we wanted to ask, so when people think like of poetry, I think at a very like basic elementary level, like what you're taught in elementary school is you think of rhyming. So we wanted to ask, like, are you pro rhyming in poems or anti or somewhere in the middle? Like, what do you think about rhyming? I'm pro rhyming when it makes sense. Um, I think a lot about form in poems and I think poems definitely have a way they want to be uh, in, in forms that make sense for what they're doing. I love when, when the form is mirroring what's happening in a poem. So I don't think people should rhyme just for the gimmick of rhyming, if that makes sense. Um, I think there was, a, there was a poetic tradition in which rhyming 
made a lot of sense, right? When we think about Shakespearean sonnets, Italian sonnets, uh, we think about ballads, think about limericks, you know, things like that. These are structures in which traditionally uh, rhyming is a key part of them. And it, it has to do with the music of the poem. Uh, contemporary poetry has changed in such a way that rhyming isn't always as necessary for getting the things across. A lot of writing that we look at now is a lot more what we would call free verse. It doesn't, it doesn't rely on a metrical scheme. Uh, and it, it, the, the, the emphasis is on the images. So I, I would say don't rhyme where it, it doesn't make sense. It's kind of where I get it. And it's kind of like a case by case basis. Um, like I had, a, I had a student bring in a poem the other week that was talking, it was called the Song of the Finch. Right, and the whole thing was written in this almost like this ballad form, and it made sense because the whole structure of the poem is this bird is singing, right? So to keep the music of the poem, the melody of the poem, the rhymes had to be in there. I thought the rhymes were done beautifully, um, but I wouldn't tell anyone to rhyme in their poetry just because it's a poem. Rhymes are not necessary for a poem. They are a poetic device, and they have they can do good work when they're used well. Um, so I'm not like pro rhyming or anti rhyming. I'm kind of like use rhyming when it feels right for your poem. Very diplomatic position there. <laughs> like a true politician. I take no controversial side on this on this case. I'm just like I, my, mostly I'm like don't be bad, you know, like don't like don't rhyme just to rhyme. <laughs> um, because that definitely happens. People people will be rhyming, and I'll be like, hmm but there could be a stronger image there instead of the rhyme. Um, there are really cool ways to work rhymes. I think internal rhymes are also really interesting. Um, I think very. I think a lot of times when we think of like rhyming in poems, our, our conception of poems is they, uh, they have to rhyme at the end of the words or the end of the lines, right? Um, but it's also really interesting to see poems break away from that. So that's one way rhyming can be really interesting, right? You see an uh, internal rhyme um, and it's kind of, it creates a different kind of beat, like bump, bump, but bump, bump, bump. Right, it's kind of it's just like a different kind of energy that happens when there's an internal rhyme versus like a rhyme at the end of every every line. So, yes, <laughs> very diplomatic um, because it's really hard for me to be. Like, it's really hard for me, like as a poet, to tell anyone don't do that because, like, what do I know? <laughs> like, I just got here. <laughs> uh, yeah, rhyme, rhyming is a very interesting tool to use in your poetry, but another really important I think tool to use is rhythm and you were talking a lot about that with forms and stuff which we'll get mm -hmm. to in like a question or two but do you have any tips for establishing rhythm in poetry? Yes one is to read your work out loud. I think reading your work out loud is maybe the best part of the revision process. As you read your poem you'll realize there are places where it's like "Ooh, this sounds maybe a little long the, the rhythm is off, it's off beat, you know, you can, our ears are well enough attuned to hear those kinds of things. So I highly recommend uh, reading your work out loud. Um, I think it also has to do with the words we choose themselves. So creating rhythm is, is more than just like a, like a metrical pattern, you know, it also has to do with kind of the, uh, the words that we choose, right? So like alliteration helps to create, um, uh, uh, a kind of a beat of its own. So, you know, something like the bumblebee, bu the bumblebee blows past the branches, right? The buh, 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 like all those sounds, uh, those, they create their own kind of rhythm, right? Um, and that really helps to set the mood of a poem, right? So alliteration is one. Uh, thinking of a spacing, 
in a poem, which you may not always think of, but like the way that you space out your poem will affect the way that people read it. So if you have a word right here and a word right here, you know, they're going to, people are going to read it right next to you. So if you say, I love, I love you, right? The words are right next to each other for our people who cannot see me. I have my fingers right next to each other. Um, but if I space them away from each other, uh, it creates a different rhythm. It's like, I love you so much that I can't live. I'm making stuff on the spot. I don't know what that was going to be. Um, but it, it kind of, it kind of creates its own different kind of rhythm uh, based on the spacing of the poem, right? So you can, you can slow a poem up. You can slow it down. You can create rhythm by how you punctuate. Uh, you know, if people are reading as one would expect, they will adhere to the grammatical uh, cues that different punctuation gives us, right? So if you put a comma in there, it tells someone to pause. If there are no commas in a poem, if there's no periods in a poem, people will kind of will rush through it. And maybe that's the effect you want in a poem. There's a lot of different ways to control speed and rhythm. Uh, that has to do with like how you uh, orient things on the page yeah that's really good tips this is a, kind of a random question that just popped into my head that's it's not official and Simone mm -hmm. will probably cut it out but what about if you get someone to like beatbox while you're trying to write a poem do you think that would help you like establish rhythm just having like a friend just beatboxing while you're writing it mm, if you're not someone who gets thrown off by sound while you're writing because I'm definitely I, I it's hard for me to write with like like, like a lot of like noise in the background because like my brain can only it's already so chaotic I can't fit much more in here if I hear a beatbox then I'm gonna want to start like I'm gonna start wanting to join in on the song I'm not thinking about the poem anymore so it's definitely possible some people think best with a beat right you think about rappers and, and singers stuff like that their whole style of poetry because I do think it's poetry their whole style of poetry relies on on matching a beat and working with a beat right it depends on what kind of work you're writing um, I think I think hearing a beat might help someone decide what kind of what structure they want for their poem. Like you can definitely work within a beat, uh, but it's another one of those things, right? Everyone's so different. So the answer is yes, it probably can help people, the, the right kind of people join in on those, uh, on those structures, right? There's, there's something for everyone. Uh, I could not work with a beat, can't rap to save my life. You know, that's never been my gift, uh, but that's somebody else's gift and they've got it. I believe they do. <laughs> We'll experiment and let you know our next yeah. we'll have a we'll have a beatbox poetry session yeah please that's yeah, such a serious I mean, answer and i'm just imagining you like writing trying to write like a deep poem and then you just hear <laughs> like in the background, in the, in the background. It's, it's funny so i watched turning red very recently so now as you're doing that i'm like hearing that song in the background oh, like yes them, that, yeah. them beat like that's now I in my it. head Oh, I love Telegram. That, that, that was a wonderful movie. Such, yeah. That song's like been my writing on my writing playlist for the last like few days. I'm just yeah. listening to it while I'm like writing. I'm not gonna lie. Scene. I sing it a little bit in the shower, you know, it's there. It's on the <laughs> yeah. playlist. I'm like, I can't make the song not hit. You know what I'm saying? Like exactly, exactly. <laughs> so true. Okay, the actual question I was supposed to ask you is what do you think about strict poetry structures like haikus or sonnets? Do you think they hinder or make your writing better? And I feel like I already know that you're not gonna pick either one of those options. Here's what I'll say. <laughs> forms can be oppressive. Um, there is a long history of forms being used in a way that is exclusionary, right? We use forms as a way to determine who has good poetry and who's who does not. 
right? People who can work within these forms, we think this is good poetry. This is how poetry should look. And people who break those forms were like, what are you doing? This isn't good poetry. Um, forms can be oppressive. And I think subversion of form is a great way to work against that. Um, I think when I think of form structures, I think a lot about African-American poets and kind of different form structures that they've created. So I think of jazz poetry, you know, made during the Harlem Renaissance and blues poetry, uh, which was really about talking about things in a very colloquial manner, which was very um, kind of working against more formal structures or ideas of poetry at the time um, and create some really great work. I think of um, Terence Hayes' structure of the golden shovel. Um, for anyone who isn't aware of what a golden shovel is, is basically you take a line from somewhere. It could be a poem, it could be a song, things like that. And so the words of that line become the N words for each line of, of the poem. So um, if I had, you know, kind of that first question you gave me, why did you pick poetry? The first line would end in why, the second line would end in did, the third line would end with you, last, uh, fourth line pick, and then last line poetry. Right. And so there's kind of this undercurrent of the line itself throughout the piece. I did this, I did one, uh, a golden shovel on the, there's the uh, weight in the water, Negro spirit weight in the water. I did, I did one on that and it was talking about Lake Lanier, uh, which is a haunted lake. I think it's haunted. I'm pretty sure it's haunted. It's in Michigan. Lots of people died. Also has a weird history because uh, before it was, uh, a lake and haunted. It used to be a town full of African-American people who were driven out um, after lynching two African-American uh, boys. And so, you know, the structure itself creates this undercurrent of like, you know, the song as the poem's happening. So forms definitely can be oppressive. I, I don't want to shy away from that. And there's people who are very against form in their poems. I totally understand it. Um, I love what form can do for a poem. Uh, like I said before, I think structures, uh, when they mirror kind of a poem's uh, goal or, or um, what it's saying, then that can be very cool to see the poem moving in a, in a way that feels natural for the poem. Uh, so I wouldn't tell anyone to force a form, um, but I wouldn't tell anyone to, yeah, you're right, I'm being very diplomatic. I wouldn't tell anyone to shy away from a form. I think, I think they have their proper place. I think most importantly, it's like, is the form working for a poem, right? So it's just like I said, don't rhyme, just rhyme. Don't try to force something into a box it's not trying to be in. Because um, that will that'll work against your poem. Sometimes, you know, you want to write uh, a sonnet when the poem wants to be shorter than that. It doesn't want to be 14 lines. It only needs the three or four that are, that are necessary. You know, you want to write a haiku, right? And when you think about forms, you think about what does the form, what is, what does the form stand in for? And what does it mean to subvert that form, right? So if you're writing a haiku, haikus are very uh, centered around nature. You know, the whole, the whole idea about a haiku is that you're, you're kind of describing the natural world. So what does it mean to, to use a haiku on something that's not natural or use a haiku for something that isn't considered natural? You know, we have a lot of controversy about what things are natural, quote unquote, and not natural, quote unquote. What does it mean to use a haiku to describe something in that way? You know, to describe queerness with haikus, you know, describe love in general, describe the, the way that the world operates 
um, not naturally, right? The, the kind of the structures we create for ourselves as humans and capitalism and all that kind of stuff. Like, what does it mean to put that into a haiku? How does that subvert the form of an haiku? A haiku that could really uh, that could make the form really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We are just as pro diplomacy as we are controversy. Besides, cat, cat <laughs> likes stirring the pot. You know, keeping yeah. it a little, keeping it a little like <laughs> likes to tussle. You know, okay. <laughs> yeah. But we wanted to ask, and you've already given a couple recommendations here and there. But we wanted to ask, um, who are your favorite poets, and do you have book or resource recommendations for our listeners? Yes, I do. So I have I have several books that I absolutely love. So uh, as I was saying before, Denez Smith one of my favorite poets, they um, have a lot of work on in slam. So if you go on button poetry, you know, you can find a lot of Denez's work there. I'm personally a big fan of Denez's work, Homie. Uh, Homie is a poetry collection that's kind of all about friendships and what does it mean to be a friend, to be a bad friend, uh, to, to, to break off friendships, you know, what does it mean to, to be in community with other people, right? What does it mean to have relations with other people, um, platonically, romantically, whatever, you know, so have you. So I really love that book. Uh, Portia Olaiwola, um, her last name is spelled O-L-A-Y-I-W-O-L-A. I feel like I'm in a spelling bee. Uh, that's her last name, though. Uh, she has this book called I Shimmer Sometimes Too, which is another great collection. Uh, Nicole Seeley, Ordinary Beast is really great. Uh, Nate Marshall's book, Finna, is really good. And John Murillo has a book called Contemporary American Poetry. Uh, these are all Black poets, uh, African-American poets. And I just really love, I'm, you know, I'm slightly biased, but I really love the way that African-American poets, Black poets uh, play with language in their, in, their, in their work and how language can be twisted. Uh, to break away from what language has uh, inflicted on people um, throughout the years, right? Because language is not a passive act. Uh, the creation of language, the the destruction of language, none of that is passive. And it's important what you what you say and what you can say. Um, I'm sure many of your listeners have, you know, read 1984. Um, the whole, you know, whole idea about that book is like, if you can restrict language, you can restrict thinking. Um, we have what's happening. Well, I'm getting a little controversial now. I'm getting a little political. Okay. Um, you know, we have what's going on in Florida, right? With the don't say gay, uh, don't say gay bill. And there's a whole idea there too. Like if you can't recognize someone exists, uh, what does it mean to, what, what can language keep us from, from acknowledging if we can't even say the word, right? We can't acknowledge that someone belongs in a room. We can't acknowledge that they're there. What does that do for their own self idea of their their worth and their existence and their identity it matters what we can say and what we can say and it matters how we uh, change what can be said um so you know i'm thinking you know going back kind of that to the idea of form um is erasure and nicole is actually working on this really great book right now uh doing an erasure of the ferguson reports um but erasure as as a form uh taking texts that are traditionally more um they have a history rooted in violence or, or hurting people and uh, finding what you can within those sources. So I'm thinking uh, Tracy K. Smith did a uh, did an erasure of the Declaration of Independence. Um, another poet, and I can't remember the name of the poet off the top of my head, but they did an erasure of the Miranda rights, right? And, and thinking of what does it mean to, to erase harmful language and find something else within it. Um, 
But yes, those are my those are my uh, recommendations. So Denez Smith, Nicole Seeley, Portia Laiwola, Nate Marshall, and John Mario. Great poets to check out. And you know, but in poetry in general, you know, if you're looking for like poetry to watch, that's always really great. And I have so many different poets I could keep recommending all day. So those are kind of my my top ones. Um, and if people want to hear about more, they can ask me. Always happy to give more recs. Yeah. I feel like I should be writing these down. I, I need to make a list after this. <laughs> it's recorded. It's recorded. Yeah, yeah. I know. Go back. <laughs> Listen to it again. So, Next up, we have some questions from our Instagram. So this question is from Maria underscore L-I-T-R. I don't know how to pronounce that, so I'm just going to spell it out. Um, the question is, what is, your, in your opinion, the most important element in a poem? It's a very good uh, question. Ria underscore L-I-T-R. Um, I think imagery. I think a lot of poetry comes back to me is the images, right? I think that's maybe one of the, I think that's maybe one of the main things that this, this differentiates a poem from prose to me. Not that prose doesn't have images, because I think prose writers have really beautiful ways of describing scenes. Um, but it's not just the images. It's not just the description of an image itself. It's how the images are working within the poem. What kind of resonance do they have? What do they mean to the speaker? What do they mean to the poet themselves? So I think, I think the images and how images are presented is maybe the most integral part of a poem to me. And if you can master the presentation of images, um, playing with form and everything, you know, that's a different a different beast to work with. But images, I think, uh, poetry is kind of it's. It's the painting of language, right? You have to be able to describe something to render something so vividly, other people can see it and feel it, right? So it, it, it matters how we can how we can paint those pictures of words. That's so beautiful. That's a really lo lovely way to put it. Um, so we have another question from Marty underscore Argudo. Uh, A R G U D O. <laughs> I am not going to try and pronounce that. Um, and they're asking, how do you keep a theme throughout a poem? How do I keep a theme throughout the poem? Um, I'm going to start by saying uh, there was this really great talk by the poet Kava Akbar. Um, he has this book called Pil Pilgrim Bell. Highly recommend also. Um, and in this talk, he was saying that to talk about what a poem is about is to kind of limit the scope of the poem. Like obviously poems have things that they are talking about and the themes they're working through. Um, but if we're talking about a poem's aboutness, we kind of limit what else it can be for other people. Um, so I just want to kind of start with that idea. Um, how do I keep a theme throughout the poem? I think I, I, I start off knowing kind of what, I, what I'm trying to talk about. I, I, once again, I think about images, right? I think about what images revolve around that thing that I'm talking about. Um, I think sometimes it's, it's, it has to do with the construction of language keeps the, the theme going. So if we're thinking about uh, a poetic device like anaphora, right, which is the repeating of a phrase at the beginning of a line, right? So if I, for example, I was talking about my poem and it, it goes, let's talk about it, let's talk about it, let's talk about it, right? So the, the structure, what keeps the theme of the poem is that repeating phrase, let's talk about it, which opens up the images to be whatever they want to be because they're all tied back to that anchor Let's talk about it, right? Um, I'm thinking of a poem by Denise. No, let me think of a different poet. Javier Zamora, to, it's called Tu Abuelita Nelly. 
and the whole poem is a letter, right? So the theme of the poem, what keeps the poem anchored is the fact that it's a letter addressed to somebody, right? Um, so sometimes it's not even about like what's in the poem as opposed to what's holding the poem together, right? That anchor piece. Um, there is a poem by Portia Wola called um, The Electric Slide is Not a Dance Man. Um, and so the whole structure of that poem is trying to explain to somebody why the electric slide is more than just a dance, right? So the, it's, it's really tied together by the, the feeling and the, the kind of the title there. Um, so it can, it, there's, so there's several different ways you can do it. You can do it structurally, you can do it with images, right? Sometimes images will speak back to each other, right? If you are talking about a poem about being by the sea, all your images will probably be about being by the sea, right? But if the poem is actually about, you know, like a family member, maybe it's something about the sea reminds you of someone that you love, right? So there's a lot of different ways that poems can take us. I think it's much more, it's much less important, like how do you keep the theme of a poem and how does the logic of the poem make sense? Um, so instead of going, oh, what do I want this poem to be about? Uh, it's more like, do these, do these images uh, do these images work together? Do they flow into one another? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you to Maria and Marty for submitting those questions. Um, but now we're going to have, we've actually never done this before. This is kind of exciting. <laughs> we're going to have a little rapid fire round. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, finger guns are perfect for that, actually. Um, so yeah, just answer them as quick as you want. Honestly, we'll see how rapid we get, you know? <laughs> we're <laughs> unpredictable. I'll, I'll keep it, I'll keep it contained. Why are you threatening our guests so much? Okay. <laughs> okay. What do you want to say to people who think poetry is easy? Um, it is not easy, but it's also not as hard as you think. A lot of the biggest part is getting started. Oh, that was so rapid. rapid. Okay. <laughs> okay. I was ready. Guys. All right. You're better at this than we are. <laughs> <laughs> So for the second question, what about people who think they're bad at poetry? You're probably not. You just need practice. Uh, poetry, like any art, takes time. Um, and so if you don't put in the work for poetry, you won't get the results from poetry that you want. It's not something that you can just walk into and be like, I'm a poet. It takes work. Um, so you're probably not bad at it. But just like anyone else, you need to spend time with it and see what it's doing um, to see what you can do with it. Do you have anything to say to people who thought you were bad or who doubted you? Or what, what do you think about that? Were there, were there people who said Revenge that time. Think, yeah, revenge time. <laughs> <laughs> it's trying to get controversial. Um, um, you don't you have to say anything, but like... Uh, people didn't think I was bad. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I have haters. Everyone has haters. Um, do I have anything to say to people who doubted me? No. Um, I think my work speaks for itself, right? I don't need to, I don't, I don't have anything to prove to anybody, right? Uh, I don't write for accolades, although accolades are nice. I don't write for accolades. Um, like I guess I write to be in community with people. So if people who think I'm bad or they doubt me, it's not about them. I don't write my poetry for them. Um, and so I care very little about their opinion of my work. And I have enough people in my corner uh, to remind me that my work is worth writing. Um, so dwell on the people who will uplift your work, not on the people who tear you down. 
That's a wonderful answer. Okay, I think that's kind of the end of our rapid fire. So for our last question, um, so this is something, <laughs> sorry, their face pumped, raise <laughs> raise embarrassed. So this is something we've asked every guest on this season. It's not relevant to poetry, sorry about that. Um, but it's just become a recurring theme that we ask people this because question. Because of you, Ruby. Yeah, it's because <laughs> I keep on asking you. it. Yeah, I keep on asking it. Um, and Simone keeps on telling me, Ruby, maybe not this time. And I'm like, oh, we're doing it. Um, yeah. So our question is, do you have any thoughts on the enemies to lovers trope in fiction? <laughs> we That's just keep so on funny. Um, I'm not going to lie. I love a good enemies to lovers. Um, I think it's great. I think I need more enemies to lovers. Um, also need more lovers to enemies. I don't know. Ooh, yeah. Um, yeah. I love to see a good falling out. I just like, maybe I'm just messy. <laughs> like a drama i'm like what happened what happened why y'all like this um but yeah you know i love a good a good enemies to lovers trope um also just love a good big reveal about like oh they used to be friends (laughs) you know and they were roommates like you know some fun stuff like that like what happened you know love a good backstory um how it all went wrong um which is just the story of my life um, so yeah love a good enemy to lovers per- thank you yeah we're adding to the list we're, we're collecting them it. all we are we're making we've a spreadsheet asked- we're making tallies yeah, yeah. We've, we've asked some people who did not understand about <laughs> yeah. that they were oh my gosh we had this one guest she was like what yeah <laughs> we had to explain like a licensed um, like counselor going- we did. <laughs> okay. it, was, it was it was an interesting answer yeah it, it started answer. there she said i think there. you need help pretty much <laughs> Yeah. No, that's why we started asking it because she was a counselor. So we were like, what do you think about like how healthy this is? <laughs> like more like that. And now it just keeps on happening. Oh, well, so. <laughs> if you're asking how healthy it is, that's a very different <laughs> question. Like I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said. No, suspension of disbelief. Suspension of disbelief. <laughs> no, we've talked about that. We're like, guys, don't model your relationships after this. Thanks. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, Soul, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a lot of fun. I feel like I've learned a lot. Maybe my like poetry skills will expand. Maybe I'll finally catch up on Escape Roll. <laughs> we'll see. I'm unpredictable like that. Keep it fresh. Um, yeah, but we wanted to ask, where can our listeners find you? Yes. Well, I just want to first, I want to thank y'all. You were so uh, such a pleasure to talk to. I really appreciate you for having me. Um, yeah, you guys are such a wonderful group, and I love talking to, to younger writers. Younger, because I'm not old. Um, I know 23 feels like ancient, but, like, I'm not. Um, I love talking to younger writers and uh, just seeing, like like I said, seeing what poetry does for people. Um, but <laughs> where you can find me. Um, I'm on all the social medias at Soul Poetry. So that's D-E-E-S-O-U-L Poetry. Um, that's on Twitter, Instagram, Venmo Cash app, uh, yeah. you know, all the social, all the social media apps. I also, like also I have episode, a, I have a, go buy him a coffee. <laughs> he lives in New York, also, guys. He needs it. <laughs> I also have a, a, a website, which is dieselpoetry.com. And that's where you can find, you know, whenever I have a new piece of a new poem published somewhere or a new podcast interview done, you know, um, it will be posted on that website. So you can keep up with my my work on there. I keep it pretty regularly updated. Yeah, and you can also contact me on there um, if you ever want to ask questions or just want to chat and things like that. I'm very, uh, very uh, available. 
Yeah. Everyone's just gonna start messaging you for like, can, can I have a quick chat? Can I pull you aside for a quick chat? Can yeah. we talk a little bit more? <laughs> um, we will also probably be tagging um, Diesel on the Instagram, so make sure you head over to at Moving Right Along Podcast. And we will also want to be seeing your escapeful poems. If you are making any, please send them to us. We will devour them like greedy little poetry goblins. Well, <laughs> what is this uh, escape roll? Escape oh, roll. We never explained that. We're just no. referencing it the whole time. Yeah. We didn't say what it was. It is, it is um because it is National Poetry Writing Month, according to some, you know, long forgotten according to the colonies. Uh, <laughs> according to the colonies. <laughs> um, there is a in, it's an Instagram that um posts like prompts for the whole of April run by Savannah oh. Brown. Um, they're doing the 30 30 yeah yeah and then you have to write like um poetry and it's a lot of fun we've all been doing it some of us i keep forgetting and Mm -hmm. i I, no, i just remembered i I said i would post something in the chat i never did um (laughs) um yeah so if you guys are participating in escape or if you want to start participating now go ahead do it um and if you're looking for other places for prompts too um there's also uh this account run by one of my poet friends uh, called Till We Meet Again. And she posts a prompt every day. And there's also uh, Arts in Boston, which is actually run by uh, the poet I talked about earlier, Posho Leowola. She's a poet laureate of Boston. Um, and she's running their, uh, the Arts in Boston account for uh, like, they're also doing a prompt a day. So in case you're looking for any other places to get prompts. More prompts. The more prompts in area. That's what I that. always say. <laughs> she always says that. I do. Says that every episode. Oh, yeah. Every episode. It's my little catchphrase. Um, yeah, but please send us your um, poems. Um, we really want to see them. And tag us on Instagram and we will share our favorites. And yeah, it will it'll be very exciting. You'll get to see your poem on our account. Amazing. And we will all we will all cheer. We will give you a round of applause. You won't we hear will. it, but we will we we'll will be applauding. We'll, yeah, we'll all over the world. a meeting. I will do a round of applause. <laughs> we will. We'll put it on the story. You'll see it. We'll put it on the story. Just <laughs> <'Cause> us <laughs> clapping. <laughs> like that. Yeah, please perfect. give me your poems i love them um but anyways also keep an eye out for people's book recs every saturday that we don't post an episode so like if we post one on saturday there'll be a book recommendation on the next saturday so you can head to the link in our instagram bio and submit a book recommendation to people and we'll share it in the next round of people's book recs but until then, I'm so ready to get back into escape roll because I'm like totally not three days behind, but shh, you don't need to know that. But until next time, Ryan and Cadets, we'll see you on our next adventure. And that's a wrap. That's it. Thank you for listening to the Moving Right Along podcast made possible by the Young Writers Initiative. Make sure to leave us a rating and review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at Moving Right Along Podcast or find us on TYWI.org. And while you're on the website, why not join our Discord server, The Writer's Town, or submit to our timeless contest running now through April 30th. Thank you to our team without whom this wouldn't be possible. A haiku, Simone, a sonnet, Jasmine, and an acrostic, Cassette. All music is by Kevin McLeod at filmmusic.io. Today you heard Beauty Flow, and all sound effects are from the Free Sound Project.